This is the limitless Keith Lee. This is Brody King. This is Angel Garza. Will Ospreay. Hornswoggle. Pentagon Junior. The villain, Marty Skell. The Mexican Ray Phoenix. King Ricochet. Concrete Rose, Sunny Kiss. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open. 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 Busted Wide Open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to BWO Live. Coming to you from Twitch. This is your patron mailbag episode number four. 51. My name is Nick Howell. Mm, and I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And yes, we are here to answer your questions. And by your, I mean our lovely patrons. If you're not one of our patrons yet, it's simple. You can go to patreon.com forward slash busted wide open and sign up right there for one of our tiers. Lots of options to choose from. Lots of cool stuff you get from that. And you can also ask questions for this show that we will answer right here. But if you want to just listen to us answer other people's questions, then that's totally cool too. And you can hang out and do that either on our audio version or over on Twitch. We do this live every week on Tuesday right after our flagship show. It starts at 5 p.m. Pacific at 8 Eastern. So usually it's about 6.30, uh, Pacific time. Yeah. About 9.45 Eastern. Right around then is when you can catch us on Twitch doing this mailbag episode. Uh, and thank you to everyone who's in our chat right now hanging with us. And thank you to everyone who's listening out there because we're going to answer some questions today. And it's always fun to do. So thank you to everybody who is a patron right now who is helping to support this show, helping us do what we do, and helping keep my lights on. Because <laughs> things, things are tough out there right now, as I think everyone knows. But yes, thank you guys, everyone, for doing that. We are going to dive right in and answer your questions right now. Yes, guys, uh, be sure you come over and join us in Discord. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Come find us on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Get into the discussion group and like our page. Uh, subscribe over at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And yes, Patreon.com slash BWO is the best way to support the show. You can get bonus episodes, Skype calls, uh, playing the patron pickums, all kinds of good stuff over at Patreon.com slash BWO. Kicking things off this week, Mr. Edward Kirkland. Yes. Hey, guys, hope all is well. My question is, what is your favorite forgotten, no, Nick, not them, faction? Uh, and if you could uh, bring that faction back in a current iteration, how would you book them? Ooh. Who would lead it? <laughs> how would you book them? Who would lead it? How would you intro yes. them that's different than how they debuted? He says mm. his would be aces and eights. Ooh, are they forgotten though? I guess they kind of yeah. they kind of are. I guess. Yeah. Kind of. They're great. That's absolutely right. That was some great twists and how they were revealed too. Um, so you could do a fun thing with that. Uh, what, what about you, Nick? What What was your favorite uh, forgotten faction or, or under <laughs> underappreciated, underrecognized faction? How do you not say Nexus? I think they're pretty. I mean, they're well recognized, known. but they. I, I feel like it was just, you know, it didn't really. Oh, they're not, for, but they're not forgotten. Every time people want to bring up, uh, how, oh, uh, oh, the, oh, the bad oh, oh, easiest one ever, 
Sorry, it took me a second. Sanity. Oh, okay. That's pretty recent, but yeah. Sanity. I, I had forgotten about them. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, how would I, I, w- I would book them exactly like they were in NXT. A uh, little bit of chaotic version of the Shield coming in and being disruptive, uh, interrupting matches, exerting their dominance and their force, right? Uh, just with chaos instead of tack vests, right? So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, You know, Eric Young was the leader of the group. I wouldn't have mind seeing Killian Dane in front either. Even though he was positioned as sort of the big heavy, I feel like his current position, he could revive Sanity uh, in his current kind of situation that he's in if he were given the right people to do that. It would be hard to do it without the personalities that made it amazing in the first place, without Wolf, without Nikki Cross, without Eric Young. Um, Yeah, that's... I I would treat them exactly like they were being treated in NXT. I thought they were a shoe in to come up to the main roster and dominate. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> that was one of the bigger bungles, that's for sure. Yeah. But another example of of main roster just not getting the gimmick, yeah. just not getting it. Um, mine, I don't know if they're t- they're not forgotten. They're they're pretty forgotten. They're pretty forgotten, but they're more like an. Uh, a footnote, but the Dungeon of Doom, Kevin Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom, a collection of like supervillains, was pretty much how that was done. And it was originally done as like a foil for Hulkamania. And Lord knows some of the most memeable moments, like when Hulk Hogan first enters the dungeon, right? I remember no it. Hulk I don't remember. Here. I remember it, but I don't remember much about it. It's. I mean, that's where we we had like the Yeti. <laughs> It was uh, Kevin Sullivan was basically had like a whole bunch of WCW heavies and they created a dungeon doom and it was just a whole bunch of like goobers who would sit there and and laugh about all the evil things they were going to do to to Hulkamania. Um, And uh, it was if you took away the Hulkamania aspect of it and just had a whole bunch of pseudo supernatural supervillains. Yeah who all had, like, a weird supervillain lair. But you just... Because it was cheesy as hell. Like a WWE Justice hell. League almost, right? But, like, the opposite. Like the like the Sinister Six. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, go the other direction with it and have it be all supervillains. Um, but they'd have to be, you know, the, the really, like, kind of heightened, goofy characters. Have Aleister Black become... You know, the, the kind of supernatural character we always said he should be. Join up with The Fiend. Uh, mm. Join up, like, have Kane maybe come in. But, like, just have a whole bunch of, like, the more, like, creepy supernatural characters join up to defeat, I don't know, Drew McIntyre. No, no, to be for that. Just, like, we want to take over WWE. So imagine, basically, like, <laughs> kind of, I hate to say this, this sound, makes it sound terrible, but imagine Retribution only go all the turn that shit up to 11 go all the way with it and make it a supernatural faction that's there to just like so imagine kind of like the um the Wyatt family but taken more seriously and bigger a bigger stable yeah because I like me some big stables I like people like multiple different people from the stables interfering in different levels of the card so yep uh, there you go all kinds of good stuff uh, the one that just, I cannot get past Sanity, though, and how upset I am about that one. 
I was trying to go back Apparently. and remember. My God. All of the factions that I that I think about don't qualify as forgotten. And it's 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 hard for me to go back through and just try to think about the ones that I think deserve to be remembered. Right. That weren't already remembered. The problem with forgotten factions is that I forgot about them. Yeah. But and probably I mean, when for I think good about, reason. Well, but again, like with Dungeon of Doom, I think a lot of people forgot about that because it was just so goofy and not good, but as a horror dude, I could see that being pretty good. Yeah. You bring it back and and treat it with ser- like anything that you treat seriously, and really like try to try your best to make it like just don't make it can't don't half ass it don't have like paper mache rocks. Yeah. You know what I mean for starters. Yeah, it's a good like point. treat it with re- treat it with respect. You can get a lot of places. Bray Wyatt did a lot with very little with the Wyatt totally. family. Totally, totally, and and two guys that were never on the mic really. Even three, if you count Braun as the black sheep. Man, is it crazy to see? Is it crazy to see Brody Lee cutting great promos now and be like, well, "You couldn't give this guy a mic." Yeah, because he didn't. He didn't like how he couldn't do a southern accent. God, the amount of money they've thrown away. Anyway, neither here nor there. Josh Logan gifted a tier one sub to La 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 oh. Lauren twenty. Thank you very much, Josh. Lauren, be sure to thank Josh for your Tier 1 sub. Welcome to the channel. I do see in the chat it's your first time live viewing. Nice. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. The patron mailbag is always a good one to uh, to sort of break you into uh, to Busted Wide Open. Um, let's see. What else we got here? So, yeah, um, for me, Sanity for you, Dungeon of Doom. Yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. Sure. Uh, thank you very much, Edward. There you go. Uh, next up, Martin asks, Big up, peoples. I have been completely upfront about all the crap I've been through in the last few months. I have to be honest, it's been shockingly bad. But one thing that has uh, helped yeah. me is BWO and all of the phenomenal ones in the Facebook group and Discord. Andy, Jess, Esme, and Dubstep Rob, along with the shows, Nick, Ian, and JB, have all helped in ways you'll never un- you'll understand or never understand. I love you all. Oh, and all the love last week, all the congrats made my other half cry. Oh man! Uh-oh. <laughs> I need a minute. <laughs> now, dude, so happy, so happy things are back on the right path for you, man. Thank you, so happy. Thank for you that. for always Seriously. sharing with us too, Martin. I really appreciate Amen. that. Uh, it means a lot. Now the soppy stuff is out of the way. Here's the question: <laughs> Add three more members to Retribution and give them names. By the time this show happens, we'll have our keys, and I wish you all love, peace, and fried chicken. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, yes. Now, nice. That's awesome. Add three more That's members awesome. to Retribution. So we've got to pick three people and add three them to Retribution. Three more members to Retribution mm, and give them names. Uh, let's see. What do we already have? We already have Dijak. We've got... Uh, I'm going to put Parks. Bobby Roode in there because he okay. just came back. I think it would work. Um, I don't know what the hell I would name him, though. Rude boy or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> rude boy. Rude boy. Rude boy. Rude boy. Get out of here, rude boy. <laughs> go on over there. Yeah. Go, That'd be great. Go to have a little rude bit boy. of the curried goat and thing. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, even better. Uh, Seagal. Screw face. That's Bobby Rude. Screw face? Screw face. Bobby okay, Rude well, so joins. Someone has to rude boy, though. I can't give up rude boy. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm too sold on Rude Boy now. Uh, that's just that's too amazing. That's good. I love it. Rude Boy. Who would be Rude Boy? Bob. I Bob, mean, maybe yeah, Bobby Rude. 
Okay, but then who's Screwface? I don't know. Screwface is just uh, that was th- another name for Bobby Roode. I was we can. Oh, okay. Uh, who else can we put in there? Uh, who's not got anything to do right Daba now? Dabakato. You put Dabakato in there. Oh, he'd be uh, Screwface. Daba, he's Screwface. Yeah. Yeah. So Dabakato. He's Dabba got Kato the dreads already and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Dabakato. So we got uh, we got Rude Boy. <laughs> it's Screwface. Screwface. Uh, I just, I, but, but yeah, but Bobby Roode. Why would are have they Jamaican? Be... I don't know. That's <laughs> well, Roode boy. Yeah. <laughs> or South African. Either way, it's Jamaican or South sure. African. You could do one, 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 one or either. Um, the fact that Bobby Roode is neither that he's Canadian makes it even more hilarious right. that he'd be Roode boy. Right. Um, but you'd have to have him like come out in like Joker face paint. Yeah. <laughs> in like a bot, like a gimp bodysuit with Joker face paint. Uh, Dabakato, meanwhile, if he's Screwface, you'd have to come out, and he'd have to be like Pinhead. He's on only instead of so instead of instead of like pins all over, he'd have like super glued screws to his head all over. You know what I mean on the sides and everything. So, no, I'm thinking like the character was it above the law? Was that the one with uh, Screwface? And I think it was. I can't remember which Seagal movie it was. Some old Seagal movie, uh, yeah. But no, I mean, having him come out with the dreads. I mean, he's Dabakato. Have the cane. Like, you know, just pro- just proper screw face. Reprise that role. Okay. I love it. Uh, all right, so who's our third he's, new he's member? He's a Caribbean drug probably, dealer and, you know, club Probably, probably a, a female because yes. we've gotten two males. Uh, so uh, uh, two men and a woman, new, new members of Retribution. We've got... <laughs> got rude boy coming out in a gimp costume with clown makeup we've got screwhead uh screw face (laughs) coming out with screws super glued to his face and his head um and then the woman who which woman do we we put in this lacey evans uh uh how about how about we bring we call up dakota kai oh that's good and call her like kai kai loke wiki wiki L O C Loke. Kicky Wicky. Kicky Wick Kicky Wick Kicky Wicky. Loke Kicky Wicky. There it is. <laughs> Loke Kicky Wicky. Uh <laughs> and she's got hammer pants. Oh. And and one of those like Sasha Banks like twinkle bras. Right. Um, and then like the light up rave glasses. Oh god. Yeah. It hurts. There you go. It, That's edgy. It hurts. That's edgy. The kid the kids will understand that. They'll recognize that. They've seen her on the news throwing bricks through police uh, front doors. It'll it'll work perfectly. Wow. Well, there you go, Martin. <laughs> there are three new members of Retribution. And you can't say Low they're ki- not any Low any worse wiki. than what we've already got. Low kicky wicky, screw face, and rude boy. <laughs> Man, rude boy, come on over here. I'll film it. <laughs> I'll film myself do it. Come on then. Oh, uh, thank you very much, Martin. So happy to hear everything's going really well for you as well. Yes. Speaking Even of that, that question, that, our answer to that question probably just ruined your life. So we're sorry. Speaking of la 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 la, Lauren, I think it's the hey. same person. Correct me if I'm wrong. As our newest patron as well. So the double whammy. Thank you very much. Uh, also got her first question in. Hey guys, it's your 69th patron here. 69, dude. 69, dudes. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, my boyfriend had me join your Patreon just to be number 69. <laughs> of course he did. You have a good boyfriend, That's, and thank you for thank that. Thank you guys both for that. Uh, anyways, he just had me watch the Kenny Omega and Okada Wrestle Kingdom 11 match. 
uh, main event last night, and I realized Omega is a god and my favorite wrestler now. Any suggestions yes. on some other A1 matches he that he's in? Uh, first of all, oh. if he didn't take you through the whole story arc that led to yeah. that main event at Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. that's the well, first thing to do. Well, the first one. 11 was the first one. So you can actually start there um, and then, wait. Yeah, 11 was the first one, I think. Or no, was it, no, no, the first one was Dominion, wasn't it? It was Dominion 2017. Why do I think it was in the G1? And then it was, it was Dominion and then it was, hmm. I'm trying to remember now. Because they met in the finals. It was Okada versus... No, they never met. Oh, they did in the G1 climax at 27, right at the end. It was a, it was a block final. That's what it, it was a block final, 2017. Yep. So they started at Dominion, um, and then Dominion was the first one, and then the G1. Or was it Russell Kingdom the first one? I'm trying to remember now. Huh? Why am I spacing? They had the because there was the quadrilogy, right? Yep. And I want to say the first one was Dominion. And then there was the G1. But the G1, I remember being the third one because he had to beat the clock to beat Okada. Um, and then they had the Wrestle Kingdom match where uh, Kenny beat him. And then they had another Dominion match that was like the, the best one. And if you want to take it back uh -huh. even further, this is all leading up from sort of in parallel. Kenny Omega has supplanted AJ Styles as the, at the head of Bullet Club. And Kazuchika Okada is on like his fourth title reign in five years. Right. Uh, four years. You can actually, actually, Kenny that year was on fun. 2017, 2018, didn't put on a bad match. You can pretty right. much go and look any Kenny Omega match that year, and it was good. You had, um, first of all, he had Okada in the final. Like, you have to watch the one, if you watch the Wrestle Kingdom match, you have to go back and watch the Dominion match first. Um, and then watch the G1 match where Okada's a mess. And Kenny only beats him because Okada's a mess. But then he has to go on and face Naito in the finals of that year's G1, uh, which was G1-27. So G1-27, the final day, uh, Omega versus Okada. And then the finals themselves, Omega versus Naito, is another classic. That's right. Absolutely amazing match. Yeah. And then he would um, lose that year to... he would. He beat Naito? Yeah. I'm, I'm getting my whole time. Kenny won the G1 up. in 2016. Omega was the champion. He went after Omega. Uh, I'm trying to give the TLDR version here. Um, it was his fourth fourth reign, and he had the title. That's where Wrestle Kingdom 11 came in. That's where they had the match because Kenny won the G1. Um, uh, then they went to Dominion 6. Uh, in 2018. Yep. No, 2017. Yeah. Okay. And then the 2017 G1 came. And Okada and Omega racked up a lot of points in their block, so they had a match who determines to go to the finals. And that match had the two literally beating the crap out of each other, stemming from the yes. frustration they from their last fight. This was the intense one. This the 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 final for the block in the 2017 G1 uh, was the one where that that was to me that uh, to me that was one of the best ones. It, I, I could be as the time limit. You had the thirty minute time right. limit. Right. Uh, Broadway. The one they went to Broadway was Dominion two thousand seventeen. Right. Uh, that was the hour long match. Okada won the match back at that. Uh, months later, Okada chose Omega to be his opponent at Dominion six point eleven. 
So is that June 11th? This match, while well, uh, similar yes. paces, the last one got more intense. The two became more frustrated, and they were ready to dish it out. Yeah, so it's it's a tough timeline to okay, keep so up. Okay, <laughs> so Dominion 27, Dominion, Dominion 2018, yeah. Wrestle Kingdom 11, which is the one that you've already seen, uh, and then G1 27, the block final. Yeah. All of those against Okada are are amazing. Other people he's faced are great. Naito at the, at the, uh, the finals of the G1. Um, 2018. Naito, the year before in the block finals, was a great match. Um, actually, all three times, that, like those three years when he faced Naito in G1 26, 27, and 28. Uh, Naito versus Omega was w- amazing. Um, he, also, Ishii in the, um, G, uh, the 20, G1 two years ago, 28. Uh, his match against Ishii was stupid that was i believe it took place here in the states it's the one where they had the uh, sunset bomb spot mm. where ishii bit the ropes to keep from falling off right. he, he um, was gonna drag and suplex him off the apron yeah through a table it was, a, it was no it was, it was just a it was a regular suplex it was a waist suplex but it was still like such a great spot yeah. oh no you're right you, got, you went, to go, went to get the dragon he was position. gonna do he his whole, dragon. fighting it yeah. yeah oh god that was a good off match. the apron through a table and ishii bit the ropes <laughs> Um, also, I was live at Strong Style Evolved right here in Long Beach in 2018 uh, for the tag match, Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks, which was one of the damnedest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That's one to check out as well. Um, I There's another match that I remember seeing, and it was uh, Ibushi and Omega. It was the Golden Lovers versus Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. And I think it was a road to show. I think it might have been like the road to Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. And I don't remember exactly when it was, but they had it was like a, it was a road to show. And they had an all-time classic. Um and I believe it was somewhere I believe it was like 2018ish yeah. as well. And and you got to remember yeah, this is he, this is this is when Jay White's still in chaos. So Okada always had Gato and Jay White around. Kenny Omega always had the Young Bucks around. And, and that's not, don't sleep on that. That makes the matches that much more dynamic as well when you've got all of that support structure around you as well because they, they inevitably get involved everywhere. So when you see Evil with Dick Togo and you see Jay White with Gato and uh, just support around, the, that's, I don't see it as much anymore because of COVID, not this year especially. Um, but... Yeah, that, that's not to be slept on. And then we went into the elite kind yeah. of angle. Which eh. is okay. It, it didn't end great, no. but the Golden Lovers saga was really great. Yeah. But basically, if you're looking for, for Omega matches to watch, watch anything with him and Okada. They are, there's a reason they're considered some of the best matches of all time. The psychology, the selling, the pace, the athleticism, the little subtle things that are happening, the storytelling in that aspect is, it, it's the best. In, it's the best there is. It's the top. Like even if you, there, if it's not your thing, you will recognize that it is quality. Um, and so some, you know, you can go look at his more like action-packed matches, like against Naito or Ishii, um, for other examples, or like when he's tagging with Ibushi and they're doing lots of flipping, flippy stuff. Uh, those are great ones too. But pretty much. Kenny Omega from 2017, uh, yeah, like 2017 to like the beginning of, of 2019 in New Japan, right when he left. And, and I'm lucky it's I met all, Ian in 2017 gold. and we started this show because that's the year the 2017 G1 is what hooked me. And I got to mm-hmm. see 
that that block final and I got to see kind of the rise of Juice Robinson and Jay White and like some of these newer figures that are now staples stalwarts of yeah. New Japan. So I mean just He start- and Jericho had a good match too. Omega and Jericho's match. Yeah, when he showed up as Painmaker that was really good. Yeah. That was a pretty good one too. Yeah. So lots to do so. there. You you started with Wrestle Kingdom 11, start working your way through 2017-2018 and <laughs> check out the G1 matches. Good the god. The 2017 G1 is it's 27 2018. The G1 is just phenomenal. Yeah. Great question. Welcome yeah, aboard and welcome to the new ja- welcome to the new Japan heroine. <laughs> it's oh yeah. my god. It is it That's, is addictive. That is definitely. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lauren. Uh next up, Yardy. What's up, Yardy? Guten von Eden. I hope everybody's having a great day. I just watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space for the first time yes! and had a good time. <laughs> so can you guys recommend oh, so me ridiculous. some other great horror comedies? Thanks for being oh. amazing. <laughs> Uh, first things first, you've got to watch brain dead. And that's one word brain dead. Peter Jackson, uh, in America, it's typically known as dead alive. You must get the full unrated version. Do not watch the rated R version. There's a shortened American edit when it's called dead alive. I know you're in uh, Belgium, so it's, so, uh, it shouldn't be too hard, but there is a, a, a longer version, the full version of it. The American version cuts out, I think something like 15 minutes. Um, and it's just, it's incomprehensible at the end because this movie is so insanely over the top, cartoonishly gory. Um, but again, as I said, Peter Jackson, before he was known as Lord of the Rings guy was gonzo horror dude. And he did three films that were horror movies. He also did heavenly creatures and, and frighteners and some other stuff, but he did three films to open his career. Bad taste, which is another good horror comedy. But very, very on the cheap. But it's very inventive. And I believe it's on Shutter right now. Maybe Amazon. Um, bad taste. Meet the Feebles, which isn't a horror movie, but it is funny as hell. And it is absolutely horrific because it's basically the Muppets, uh, but completely effed up. Like, there's Muppets doing porn. There's Muppets oh. uh, doing drugs. There's Muppets in Nam. There's Muppets eating crap out of a toilet. Um there's Muppets vomiting all over the place. There's Muppets with machine guns mowing down rows of other Muppets. It's madness, but it's brilliant. What is this called? The Feebles? Meet the Feebles. Holy shit. Um, it is, it's insane. But down. his piece de resistance was brain dead. Um, and there's actually some people in brain dead that are in the Hobbit movies, if you really want to get deep into it and, and get crazy. But that is one of the greatest horror comedies of all time. Uh, on a completely different tip, Night of the Creeps. I freaking love Night of the Creeps. That's a really funny one. Obviously, Evil Dead 2 is a horror comedy classic. Um, Are you referring to Army of Darkness? Army of Darkness, I don't even consider a horror movie. It's just a comedy. It's a dark comedy. Okay, fair enough. Evil Dead is a horror movie that is also very funny. That's a a good point. So, um, I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head see there's so many that like i think are funny but they're not their intention isn't to be funny Shaun of the dead i think is one of the is is got to be one of the greats yeah that's a good one what do you mean that's a good one that's one of the best ones that one's brilliant scaring me nick I'm, I'm trying to think of some that i i would think of or I don't, what would i uh, see, here's the problem with this: is it's a little bit subjective because I kind of, I think we share a bit of a dark sense of humor. 
and we think that certain things that other people might find horrific to be funny. Oh, yeah. Well, that's killer clowns in a nutshell, too. Basically, though. yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think some of the things in screen, the screen movies are funny. I think there's some, some comedy horror in there. Some of the stuff with David Arquette where they're just kind of ribbing on him and he's being just a general doofus. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't know. You're the horror. You're the horror expert here. I man. know. I just ripped out a few yeah, of them right there. There you go, Yardy. Enjoy. Happy October. Almost. I'll think of some more too. Two more I'll, days. I'll put them up in the group. There's a bunch of. There's a. There's a ton of great horror comedies. And, but there's a. There's a few. To and get if you started. guys aren't in the Facebook discussion group, Ian dropped a mega list on us of 31 horror films to watch throughout October. So make sure you get into the Facebook discussion group and look up that post. I'll actually pin that post once we get to October, so people can sure. uh, have a bit of a reference there. And uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Another good I've one. never seen that. I've heard about it. It's fun. It's fun. They actually, you've actually got Bela Lugosi playing uh, Dracula again. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. Wow, okay. And, uh, and um, uh, the Wolfman's being played by Lon Chaney Jr. again. So got some legit wow. like OGs playing no their kidding. parts again. Pretty cool. Well, thank you, Sir Ian Dangerous. Uh, thank you, Yardy. Next up, Sean Clark, yeah. the mop man himself. Mr. Mop. Just wanted to take a minute to thank you guys for all that you do. I'm going to get verklimped again. <laughs> thank you guys for all that you do. There's so much time and effort put in week in, week out. I know I speak for everyone when I say it means the world to a lot of people. Thank you, Sean. Dude, thank You're you. You're both man. a bright spot in people's lives, and this show and its community are nothing short of phenomenal. Thank you, man. So I wanted you and all the phenomenal ones to know that it doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you, dude. Thank you very much, man. Seriously. That means the world to us. Thank you. It does. Uh, he says, I try to find the positives in everything, and Raw makes that almost impossible. <laughs> How would you salvage it? Can the draft save it, or is it just trash, and I need to be with okay, okay to watch trash? Um, I think the draft's going to help because part of the issues that I'm having with right now, uh, having with it right now, are that it's getting a bit repetitive. We're, we're, I mean, Seth and Ray have been going at it for over six months yeah. now, since almost before the pandemic. Like it's that that that's got to end. Uh, Apollo and Lashley, in some form or other, and Hurt Business have been going at it for months now as well. It's all too long in the tooth. Uh, even Drew and Randy, I felt like they came to a conclusion, but no, they're still going. Um, so if they do shake it up, that's going to help a lot. Yeah. But they really do need to start, you know, Street Profits and, and Garza and Andrade. And part of it isn't even that I have a problem with long feuds and long drawn out storylines. And I want to make that clear because, you know, according to Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, fans all want everything they want it now, which, you know, I'm, they're not entirely wrong about that. But the problem is, is that when they're saying just hang out and wait. We're telling these long-form stories. WWE has a history of bungling long-term stories and not giving good payoffs, so there's no reason to invest. So what they're saying is, hey, wait, just, just wait. We're getting somewhere. But I'm looking at the Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins storyline and saying, how many climaxes have you had to this? This isn't how it works. You have to slowly build up to a climax, and then it's done. Yeah. You can't drag things out this long and have these big... And they tried to rip out each other's eyes. How do you go on from there? How do you go... How do you find other... Okay, well, now we're talking about the kids. We're doing other things. Okay, but it's still long in the yeah. tooth. You're, 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 you're not finding an overall build to the story. You know what I mean? And the characters aren't changing their motivations and their intentions enough to make that compelling. So things need to change 
at a certain speed, a certain pace to keep us, uh, us invested in a longer story if that's what you want to tell. You can't expect us to go along for it when at any moment they might drop this entire storyline and then we're sitting here going, why did I watch that for the last four months? Because they have done that in the past. It's not something that's, that's never happened before. It happens fairly often in WWE. Yeah. Um, so that would be another thing is make the stories compelling week to week uh, and if they've stopped being like, and figure out, like, plan a little bit further in advance on the arc that you're going to make in the storyline. Where is this going to go? How is it going to escalate? At what point do we create a crescendo? And then how do we pay off that crescendo? And then how do we bring it back down if we need to build to another crescendo and create something new and interesting to build to a different crescendo that doesn't feel the same? I also feel like the only thing that's given any real effort or intention is around titles. And what that does is it makes the feud about uh, a toy, about a belt, and not about blood feuds, about stories, about history, any of that stuff. It just makes but it would, about the title. I would argue that actually Raw has been doing a lot of stories away from the titles. Ray, was, Ray and Seth were not about the title. Right now we got Kevin Owens and Aleister Black, not about the title. Um, so I think they do a lot of stuff that's not about the titles because they got three hours, so they kind of have to. Yeah. But the problem is without the titles, you have to have more going on, right? And right now, Kevin Owens and, and Aleister Black isn't interesting because it's about freaking nothing. Oh, you weren't there to help me when I had my eye poked out. You could, you could loosely trace it back to when Seth first turned on Kevin with AOP, jumping out of the back of the van, and then Aleister came out to help with Humberto Carrillo. And like, that tracked yeah. all the way through the year on and off. But my point is, is that to have a feud based on one guy being mad at the other guy wasn't there to help him when he got beat up. I agree. It, it's kind of thin. Yeah. It's thin. Uh, if you're not going to have a title, it has to be more than Here's that. what I'll say, Sean. I'm skeptically optimistic the draft can potentially save it, especially leading into the time of year that we're leading into right now. As I was saying on the main show, we're, we're minutes, days away from uh, th the next round of big pay-per-views. Hell in a Cell. Survivor Series, TLC, and then we're right back to the Rumble, and we're on the road to WrestleMania again. Woohoo! Right, we're right back. We're we're on the <laughs> precipice. Time flies when you're having fun, right? So I, I I have a little bit of hope that we can have a draft, shake things up a little bit, and go full force for the next six to eight months through to WrestleMania. See what happens. Um, it, and it's it's kind of always that way in the fall. We're in this little bit of lull right now after SummerSlam. We're we're. we're we're having a little bit of a hangover from Mania and SummerSlam, but now we're getting back. We're, we're ramping back up, so we're going to have some fun. I I think one of the other things that'll be interesting is Survivor Series. Are we going to have three brands again? Can you ever go back from that now that you've done it and not have the three brands? I think it was so good. I don't know that you could ever not do it again because of what happened with the Saudi show last year, and they ended up pull, pulling that off like a miracle rabbit out of their hat, and it was amazing. And we got Keith Lee out of it. So I'm I'm looking at the draft going, okay, let's let's look at the let's see what could happen with the draft. We're gonna get to Survivor Series in a couple of months. Then we're off to the Rumble and Mania, and we'll see where we go from there. Damn it. Yep. Thank you very much, Sean, especially for all the kind words, man. Much love. Seriously, dude. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next up, Patrick says, I know we have all talked about wrestlers taking acting classes. Uh, but after listening to some old old New Day podcasts, do you think they should hire another actor like Freddie Prince Jr. to give the wrestlers the old razzle-dazzle, as Vince once said? 
Uh, yes. Of course. Or if, if, if not an actor, then an acting coach. Someone who's in that world who can or who's a wrestling. Freddie Prince Jr. was a wrestling fan, so he was able to see what aspects of acting, of movies, of TV that can be translated over to wrestling and how they can be translated. Because there's certain tropes in wrestling that aren't in traditional acting. You know, a promo is its own unique thing from an improv speech. It's a very specific kind, and you have to do certain things in it. And making a good one takes aspects of acting, but also is a very unique animal in and of itself. So someone who can comprehend what the goal is of like what a promo really is, and also the kind of acting that they're going to do backstage, how quickly they get the, the lines, the ability to be able to cross over between a promo and a backstage skit and whatever what is needed there and be able to change up their teachings to fit that but come from outside the wrestling world because essentially you've got amateurs teaching amateurs at this yeah. point you know what i mean dusty Rhodes may be teaching you promo classes but dusty Rhodes was never an actor He's an amateur actor who happened to be really good at cutting promos. Find him a producer and have them make a black box musical theater presentation for Hollywood Friends Festival or something. You know, do something that is outside of their comfort could, zone. Sure. Work with UCB. Work with Second City. Find some way that you can do classes. Like I don't that. even know if it needs to be that. I think they could just have it be classes taught in the PC sure. that are just straight. Act, like they already have promo class. And from what I understand, that's already kind of like acting class. It's just super specific about how to cut promos. But I would go one step further there and bring in someone who knows about acting yeah. and say, okay, we're going to do acting classes. Yeah. As well as like promo classes are a very specific kind of improv, as I was saying. Acting classes are a whole different animal. Whether they want to teach Meisner, Stanislavski, or none of the above and just have it just be about how to deliver lines realistically, get in touch with real emotions inside of you and be able to project that in a realistic manner in front of a camera while everyone's watching you, That's a, it's a lot. It's not easy to do, and it takes a very specific skill set that you have to hone like any other specific skill set. And a lot of them learn on their feet, and they either get comfortable with it or they don't. Some people never get comfortable with it because they've just never had the fundamentals taught to them, and they need those fundamentals to be able to do it. Other people can just naturally just act and be themselves. Chris Jericho is a natural showman, right? And he, you know, so there are people that can be like Jay Uso and how naturally he was acting with Roman was incredible. They let themselves just be in the moment, and they're comfortable. But they've around, spent their entire lives together, and they've exactly. got that, that chemistry already, and they can that they can riff off of each other. Yeah, and it's actually uh, I mentioned uh, Meisner is a, is a form of is an acting style or, or or a way of getting into character, and it's actually based around interacting with somebody else. Uh, and becoming in communication with them emotionally. And it's, it's the, all the exercises that you do build up a rapport and the ability to emotionally feed off the other person. And essentially, what they have is built-in Meisner. Yeah. They already know each other so well. They already have that connection. But if you don't have the connection with somebody, that's what those, that's what those techniques are for. So that could really be helpful. I don't, I don't even, it could be someone who's not even an actor, just someone who's an acting teacher who loves wrestling and, and gets what they need out of the acting classes. And it could be really simple, and it would just make a huge step in the right direction, I think. One of the things I do every single year, I, I work in professional tech. A lot of my work is either on Zoom calls or on stages presenting stuff to people. And mm -hmm. I have to build PowerPoint, not that I'm Drew Gulak, but I have to build PowerPoint slides, and I have to tell a story 
and I have to speak clearly and, and have intonation in my voice so that I'm inflecting in the right places and giving accent. A lot of that stuff. You were talking about fundamentals. I, I can't imagine if my career would have gone anywhere eight years ago if I hadn't started taking those classes. And it, it's ama- it gets rid of your so and um, yes, right, you know. Yeah. They train you how to get rid of those. They train you how to tell stories. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you could do. Are they willing to do it? I don't think so. I mm. think they think I they've th- got the people that can train them how to do it like Dusty. But part of it is that arrogance of wrestling is the only thing that it is. It's completely insular, and no one else can tell us what to right. do. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, and, and, and there's that certain... Um, I, I feel like it's kind of leaving wrestling a little bit. Wrestling is starting to chill out <laughs> in some ways. Uh, so maybe they'll be open to it at some point in the future, but you know, I, we'll see. Certainly not with the structure they have right now. No. Great question, so. Patrick. I, yeah, I, I really love good. talking about Very that interesting. stuff. Uh, next up, Jonathan Malo says, What's up, guys? What are your top What's three up? or five greatest Disney movies of all time in no particular order? I, ge- I guess use the four and five for honorable mentions. Count Pixar well, if you deem necessary. Oh, okay. I was going to say, okay, so we can count Pixar, but Disney owns like Star Wars and Marvel and everything now. I'm assuming he means like Disney animated cartoons and Pixar. Movies. Animated. Okay. Uh, Emperor's New Groove. Uh... Ratatouille. Top five greatest, not favorite. Oh. What are your it's a, top three your or five top, greatest yeah, mine. of all mine. time? Okay. Mine. Emperor's New Groove. Don't come at me. I love Emperor's I thought New he, Groove. I, I always differentiate like between favorite and greatest. Yeah, we're not doing the Mount Rushmore Disney movies. We're saying our, our favorites. Okay. Um, so, yeah. What did I say? Ratatouille, Emperor's New Groove, Great Mouse Detective. Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. Mulan. Ooh. I'm torn between Cinderella and Little Mermaid. Oh, Cinderella. Cinderella all day. is probably over Little Mermaid. But the, I mean little but sl- I mean Sleeping Beauty over both of those though, right? Yeah, because of the dwarves. Sleeping Beauty. It's Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, though, man. It's got the you got the dragon, you got Maleficent. My problem is is I love Ro- Prince Philip. I love Robin Hood. It's my favorite. It's probably my favorite Disney movie. <laughs> and all, every time I rattled one of those out, all I could think about was, "No, it's Robin Hood. No, it's Robin Hood." Uh, better than any of the live action movies that have ever been made. I love that animated Robin. Hood. I love that. Yeah, I, I will get that song stuck in my head all day no, long. I'm going to pull one back. I can't not say Lion King. I cannot say Lion King. That whole second half is just... All right. All right. Great first half. Yeah. Total What's chat saying? Pete's Dragon. That's a good one. The original one. Yeah. First Incredibles. That's a really good one. First Incredibles is fantastic. Also, Kyle threw Kyle 100 bits in. He says, Shotzi as a theater kid has shown how even a little bit of training can go a long way. Because at the end of the day, wrestling is just a giant black box theater. That was my point. Amen. You know, yeah, every year totally. we do the Fringe Festival down on Santa Monica Boulevard in L.A. And it's like it, I've done two of them. You wouldn't think Nick's ever done it. But, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's it costs a little bit of money. Nobody shows up to watch your show, even though you beg and plead for him to. And then you all go get drunk afterwards. And then you have you can say you did the Fringe Festival. 
That's kind of how that goes down. But yeah, the amount of things that you learn while doing that is is absolutely amazing. So yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm going to throw in another uh, honorable mention on the Disney movies. Lilo and Stitch. Never did get into that one. Oh, I love that one. Fantastic. The watercolor backgrounds and just it's such a weird movie for a Disney movie. One of the last pure animated ones they made. Um, and it's about a broken family. And it's, oh, it's just great. Good stuff. Um, yeah, that being if I'm going to throw one more honorable mention in, it's going to be Wally. Wally's great. Wally and Up. Those, like those two, if I got to put Pixar ones in uh, there. I can't watch Up. I can't make it through that opening. Yeah, that the, opening. the first 20 minutes are. are just stab me. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> just, just, why even make me watch it? Just come over to my house, take a fork, and stab me in the heart. Don't even make. Why? Even like Finding Nemo, I can deal with the mom dying. I'm like, okay, yeah, the Barracuda got her. Well, don't, you know, that's what you get. But man, the opening of Up is just scoop out my insides, throw them on the counter. And then whack him with a hammer. Fun story. I went on a first date to see that movie. Oh, no. I had no idea. Oh. And here I am over here next to my <laughs> lady that I've just met. <laughs> <laughs> Holding it together. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, that was that was rough. Is that the is that the worst movie you've ever taken a first date to? Uh Technically no, but we had a blast. Uh, Team America was the other fun is another fun story. That's to a tell. great. That would be a great one. Well, we had to. We we. It was a great. We ended up being unless a great she one. was Middle Eastern. Then maybe not so no, much. No, <laughs> no. Uh, but we were. La- that's one of the last times I can remember laughing so hard I literally almost threw up, and we missed half the movie because we were in tears laughing the whole time, and we ended up grabbing a, a bite to eat and went right back in and saw it again, back to back. Nice. Yeah, that was that was a good time. Uh, but yeah, Up did not turn out the same way a few years later. <laughs> no. No. Did you have a second date? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it just, uh, no, nah, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't hmm. go anywhere. Thank you very worst, much. Worst, worst first, date, first date movie I ever had was Eyes Wide Shut. Oh. I'll leave it at that. Fidelia. God, uh, thank you very much, Jonathan. Next up, Esme. Says, Hello, Esme. Pod Fathers. Hope you're Hello. both well. Thank you all for all you do. Back-to-back pay-per-views in one month. NXT, New Japan, Impact, NWA. We're spoiled <laughs> for choice. Now, I was watching Clash of the Titans, the, the 81 version. Good, the good, the version. good version. Ray Harryhausen. Yes, Harry Hamlin. Yes. Lawrence Olivier. Lawrence Olivier. Everybody. Everyone, their mother. Everyone, their mother was in that movie, man. Uh, Ursula Andress. They, it was almost and, like they uh, tried to make that the Lawrence of Arabia of the, of the 80s. They were trying to make that movie just big. Mm-hmm. Burgess Murda, yeah. Meredith. <laughs> That's right, Perseus. Special effects, the, like the stop motion thunder. on the owl, like uh, just all. It was it was pretty. Bubo. Yeah. Bubo. Uh, uh, watching Clash of the Titans and thought to myself, what Maggie would this Smith was Hera? Mm, what would this great, movie sorry. look like today, but cast with wrestlers instead? Ooh. Please recast this classic using only wrestlers from any promotion. Also, shout out to Lauren Castanon. Hope I said that right. Uh, for answering my call to get BWO to that magic number of 69, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> 69, dudes. I need to snip that oh. one out. Love my busted wide open family. Stay sexy and be yeah. excellent to each other. Uh, okay, so the question is, we're, re- we're recasting, recasting Clash of the Titans. OG Clash of the Titans with modern wrestlers. 
I haven't seen that movie uh, in probably 15 years. I'm I'm struggling. So let's see. Oh. I'm gonna say. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, so the Lawrence Olivier role. I'm I'm just gonna let's just have fun with this. I'm gonna say Stone Cold Steve Austin is Zeus. Oh. I'm uh, gonna go Drew McIntyre for Drew Zeus. No, come on. He's got to be old and wise. Drew McIntyre would be like a Perseus. Drew McIntyre could be Perseus. <laughs> and then you could have uh, Bray Wyatt be, um, oh, what was the name of, of Hera's son? So he, Perseus goes to Agrippa or the city or whatever, and there's a curse. And because Hera's, they, they, the princess, they thought was, like the mom said the princess was more pretty than Hera, so she got pissed. And she cursed they or Zeus cursed her son. That's what it was. Zeus cursed Hera's Caliban. son. Caliban. Caliban. Bray Wyatt is Caliban. Thank you. Bray Wyatt's Caliban. Drew McIntyre's Perseus. Stone Cold Steve Austin is Zeus. Uh, Trish Stratus is Hera. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy Rose is Aphrodite. Um, because of course. Matt Riddle is Hephaestus. Else. I don't get. Okay, fine. Uh, who's playing? Who's playing Burgess Meredith? Who's playing the the uh, old guy? The, the I'm guy? on. Uh, is um, Paul Heyman? Paul Heyman. Yes. Uh, Poseidon. Oh my god! Did we do Poseidon yet? We didn't do Poseidon yet. Um, I think that'd be it. Ooh. <laughs> uh, like Kyle said, "Sir Retribution is the early CGI skeletons." <laughs> <laughs> That was that was Jason and the Argonauts, but I like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Who would be Poseidon? Poseidon? I mean Triple H. Oh, if, if Stone Cold is Zeus. Yeah. If right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he comes up out of the water and yeah. just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brock Lesnar is the Kraken. There you go. There's your there we just we just cast we just cast Blast the Titan. Oh, there you You're go. Welcome. Done. <laughs> Done. Take that, Esme. Release the Brocken. Release the Brocken. Yes. There it is. Next up, Josh Logan says, just for a little fun, who would be your Mount Rushmore of WCW? Thanks, guys. Look forward to the shows every week and appreciate everything you do for us. I mean, how do you not do NWO? It's got to be Sting. Sting. Yeah, it's got to be Sting. NWO and Sting. Sting Flair. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the thing is, do we consider w, like like Monday Night Wars WCW? That was when they were at their biggest. That's the problem. How do you not do? Are we doing face paint sting or Ravens crow sting? You know, I mean, that's exactly. Do we do we? I mean, where does we got to put Goldberg in there somewhere? Yeah. DDP. I would argue Vader too. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a ton of people we could do for WCW. Even like early days, Ron Simmons. Um, mm. But I mean, if. If we're doing just Mount, well, let's see, because again, it doesn't have to be like the first four presidents; it's the four greatest presidents. So, do we do Flair, Sting, Hogan, and Goldberg? Uh, uh yep, yep, yep. Oh yeah. All right. I thought it was gonna be face way paint Sting, not Raven Sting, not Crow Sting. I'm gonna make that stipulation. Except that he's still Crow Sting. He stayed Crow Sting to the end. Do you know what I mean? So that became I feel like he like, was he was more I mean he was the crosting I love them both for different reasons and it's hard they're all You know what? No, here Nick, here you go Nick. You have the big 
like sculpture, right, on the side of the mountain of Sting. The bust. The, right. And half of it, you do crow, and half of it, you have a little line down the middle of his face. Half is like face, like Ultimate Warrior face paint Sting, and half is crow Sting. Deal. Okay? Deal. There you go, buddy. There you go, guys. Got you. I got you. Thank you very much, Josh. Next up, Brandon says, if you could go back in time, gotta go back in time, and change the direction okay. of one of the underutilized talents in modern wrestling, who would it be and why? And how would you change their direction? Ooh. Oh, man. So many potentials there. Yeah. If I could go back in time and change the direction of one underutilized talent in modern wrestling. Well, what does he mean by modern? What, what's jury the, still? I mean, I would assume like we're not talking about not like not 80s a, and uh, beyond. I'd say probably '90s and beyond. Okay, maybe post yeah. territories. I, post, yeah, like like late Attitude Era on. Okay. Let's say 2000 on. Let's let's call modern 2000 on. Uh, Steve Blackman would probably be one I'd go straight for. Oh, okay. What would you? Why and how would you change their direction? <sighs> or his direction? I feel like he was a utility. He wasn't ever really a a consideration to be a champion. And I feel like he had so much talent that was underutilized, um, even though he was put in some really badass, hard-hitting, stiff matches with Shamrock, uh, uh, Shane, I think he had that match with. I just feel like I, I never got... Whenever he came out, I was like, oh, it's Steve Blackman. He's going to lay down for him. Like, I, I had that was how I felt about Blackman. But if you flipped that on the other way and you just threw everybody at him and he was such a badass that nobody... Because they, they constantly talked up his martial arts background, and they constantly showed it off in the ring, but it never went anywhere for him. But what if you flipped a switch and made that actually the thing that nobody could get over? See, if I was going at that era, I would have done Shamrock more than I would have done Steve Blackman, to be honest but with I you. But I feel like he got his opportunities. Shamrock? Yeah. No, he, I mean, maybe more than Blackman did, but... That's fair. He certainly yeah. didn't get as many as he, as he probably deserved. No, he's covered up in rock and stone cold, you know? Yeah, but he was. Eh. I feel like he got to a certain level and never went beyond. Yeah, he hit his ceiling. But there shouldn't have been a ceiling. Yeah, I agree. Like you had one of the most legitimate guys you could possibly have, and they were putting him in these goofy angles. Uh, they could have done so much more with him. But I was, I was actually going to pick uh, two people here. Repo Man. Uh, no, no. Although uh, you know the fact that they haven't brought that gimmick back is a tragedy. No, it, no, no it's not. Uh, anyway. Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin. Wildly underutilized. The fact that he's only now getting some sort of shake on TV after 14 years of nothing is insanity to me. Absolute insanity. How is that guy not higher up on the card for most of his run? And the other one is, is Stu Bennett. Yeah. Right? I'm... How, do you, how do you not have... How do, you, how do you stick? How do you have all of the the number of times you had uh, Wade Barrett almost on the cusp of something? They've got a lot of people that they've wasted, whether it's Rusev or Harper, who are now like finding their own spots. Uh, smaller guys like Paul London, um, Brian Kendrick. You know that okay, you can find some reason why it's not going to happen. How did Wade Barrett 
never really get a, a fair a fair but shot. See, I think he did. I think he got the bad news Barrett thing over. Um, he had championships. He uh, had King Barrett. He was king of the ring. Uh, you know, it was a terrible run. That's what I'm saying. But it's, like they never, they never took him seriously enough. I see I don't your think. point, but I feel like there's other guys that, that didn't get anywhere near that that amount of opportunities. I I I stand by. He was underutilized. Him and Shelton both. Yeah. For their talents, underutilized. And uh, I would have, first of all, I'd have had them both taken a lot more seriously and not, you know, because here's the thing. As with as what we always say when it comes to, to wrestlers, if you want them to get over, let them win. Or give us a compelling reason why they didn't win. Yeah. If you do that, we'll care about them. They didn't do that with either of these guys. The only reason that Wade Barrett was as over as he was was because of silly gimmicks. Yeah. That's fair. Right. And Shelton didn't even get that. So he didn't really have a gimmick. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I, I, they never did it. They, they're like, okay, we had this insanely talented athletic guy who can go out there and put on classic matches. But even they, then they were talking about how he came, he was in Brock Lesnar's shadow from Minnesota, from amateur wrestling. So he's always been in the shadow of Lesnar. And it's just now in the last six months, really, with, with MVP that we're starting to see yeah, him. Yeah, because right? MVP was sitting there going like, how are you guys not using Lashley and Shelton Benjamin? <laughs> How are they sitting back here in catering? Not to mention Apollo, for that matter. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you on Barrett. That's a that's yeah, a really good and, one. And they're saying in the chat, absolutely, the Good Brothers. How do you how oh, do you yeah. blow the Good Brothers? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, if we if this this could very easily become a how did WWE screw up having this talent? This would be here all night. <sighs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to those. So you got Steve Blackman. Uh, I said Shamrock, Wade Barrett, and Shelton Benjamin. There you go. Boom. Thank you very much, Brandon. Next up, Billy. Happy almost Billy. 52, my dudes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. One more week. Billy's retrospective review. Last November. Oh, we're calling back. Last November, you spoke of two heel turns. Yes. Oh, this is going to be good. First, <laughs> Bailey. Both of you called it bland and directionless. How do we stand now? She turned that ship the right way, I think. So let's talk about that one before I go on to the second one. Okay. Where I agree. Where do you do you stand by what we said bland and directionless a year ago? Last November it was bland and directionless. She started off really hot with cutting down all the huggies and then it got it just went and just fizzled and the ship was sinking. Yeah. They partner they they she was coming out and just looking glum. There was no energy. It was it was not exciting. And then somewhere she flipped the switch and was and, and basically said, okay, I have to make this character obnoxious and in your face and fun a little bit as well and energetic. And she started being with Sasha Banks in the middle of this. And it all, I, I, I believe she found an energy her character needs. And she comes out solo now and she still is retaining that energy to her heel character that was not there last November. So I totally stand by that last November she was she was a dull heel and that she figured it out and now she is engaging and she's good they got to give her uh, you know the sasha storyline let's see where it goes yeah. um but yeah i think i think bailey figured herself out so props to her for that i'm still not 100% there with her yet i appreciate the work i i feel like it's it's a little long right now but we're it took yeah. forever to get to where we are now 
she's not going to go down in history as one of the greatest heels of no, all time. No, no. But she's way better than she was. I w- I'm still looking back a year ago when, like you said, she came out and she cut down the Bailey buddies. And I remember saying, well, that's a commitment because <laughs> yep. you can never go back to that now. Can't go back. And that's what I that's mean, the can't. thing yeah, that got her over in back. NXT was the being a hugger and the way she would interact with the fans. Yeah. Was that worth throwing all that away for this? Uh-uh. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh yeah. I mean, look at look at what she's done since then, though. They've they've strapped her with all kinds of I mean, she had the championship for how long now? Uh been women's tag team champion. So, you know, she's going to have a long range. She's got a storyline that's going to people are going to really remember. This has been I think way better for her than what they were doing or weren't doing rather with her friendly Bailey, her huggy Bailey character. Yeah. I think this has been way better for her. Yeah. She's been at the top of the card, she's been on TV all the time, she's compelling, people are watching her, people are invested. So is is it as is it as fun as and entertaining in a different way? A little bit. I think at, a lot more so. They've been she's been booked way better. Yeah. That's what it so. is. When, when you're the champ, you're going to get more attention. You're going to get more time. And she never but, really got that opportunity as a face. Because I don't think they understood the hugger character. And it's hard hmm, to... Imagine that. The main roster well, understanding an NXT character. But in her case, <laughs> there was a story arc to her character. Right. And when they came to the main roster, you didn't have that whole history of the character. So people were... She was kind of adrift as a character. So it makes more sense. With that one, I give them an excuse. You didn't have the history of the character. So. Yeah, uh, but now she's great. Secondly, Dakota Kai. Mm. One of you said it was boring and unnecessary. The other that loved was, it. That was me. And that was me. What? I loved it. Yeah, you loved. The other loved it. That was you. It's been almost a that year was, now. How do we like mean Dakota Kai? She's actually pulling off the mean evil thing more than I expected. See y'all soon. Stay phenomenal, peeps. Thank you, Billy. Um, still love it. I feel like it got to a good spot. And I feel like the only thing keeping it relevant is the Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez, uh, Haas feud that we all want. But look at her as a performer and as a character. How is she doing as a performer and a character as a heel? Don't look at all the trappings. Mm. Is she still a good heel? I would argue yes. I'd say she's a fantastic heel. She's mean. She's petty. She's vindictive. She cheats. She, she, the, her physical demeanor, the like, the viciousness that she has. She was the second Bailey. Remember, we we were saying like you could be Bailey 2.0. Yeah, and I would argue she has actually become more evil than Bailey. Yeah, Bailey's just kind of like salty. Dakota Kai is the ocean. Bailey just wants to She's see the manager. Salt. Dakota actually <laughs> right. wants to hurt you. Dakota's going to burn down your coffee shop. Yeah. She's she's carrying out a knee brace as a as a trophy. Yeah. Of her best friend that she beat down at Survivor at, at War Games. Well, yeah, yeah. not carrying out a chair, which she used to beat out her. I'm saying yeah. there's 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 crossover there. There's there's apples for apples comparisons. True. But I would say Dakota Kai is still a great heel. Yeah. Have you come around on her, Nick? Uh, I did come around on her, but I'm more focused now on. I, I feel like the it's about you the just auxiliary. Want Raquel and Rhea. Yeah, you want Raquel and Rhea too much. It's not that I want care. that too much. It's that that's what's give, being given service at at the at the for the last couple of months. We haven't really seen. I mean, Dakota had her shot. She she climbed up there. She got those opportunities, and it was really fun to watch. She had the matches with Tegan. It, it was good stuff. Yeah. Now what? people in the chatter people in the chatter saying that she's not a main eventer. I don't think she was a main eventer when she was a face either. No. no. Not given the talent that's in NXT, she can be in main event matches. 
don't think she's going to be a title holder. But I think if you're going to flip somebody like that on the stage as big as War Games in the way that they did it, that indicates to me that you've got plans for someone. That they did. But it never went anywhere, really. It just turned into a blood feud between Tegan and Dakota, and that wasn't not fun to watch, right? Yeah, that's good. That's that's going when somewhere I say right you, there. When I say you've got when you do something like that and you've got plans, I'm I'm like I'm thinking you're gonna make her champion. You're gonna have her in a long running title feud. Something. You don't just. I mean, not everyone can be champion. You can turn people heel and they don't become champions. I, I understand it's possible. That just indicates to me <laughs> when you do something like that on that grand of a stage that there's there's plans there. I, I make picks around. I that felt kind of stuff, I felt right? like there were plans. Yeah. What are you talking? There, I felt like there, there was obviously plans. All right. Come on. All right. Come on, Nick. Uh, I've I've cooled off on it a little bit, but I did get to a really good spot with it earlier this year. Okay, so your mind was changed, and now you're now I'm kind of you're wait and see see what happens. If you you wanted them to have plans for her for a year and a half in advance, and now you're mad when they don't. Yeah, my okay. wrestling. <laughs> Hashtag my wrestling. Oh, uh, thank you very much, Billy. Next up, Kyle. Do you feel that fans should find a way to direct displeasure or their attitude on bad creative in a more positive way? Good question. Mm. I bring because I mean I bring this up because over the last year I've seen prominent examples where a mindset of fans helped in part derail talent in WWE. Just some examples: we have fans not taking Ricochet's world title match build seriously, despite WWE doing everything they could to make him look credible in a short turnaround. Only for some fans, only for the same fans, to suddenly be upset that Ricochet is in mid card hell after that. Okay, I like that. Other examples more recent mm. with fans. Well, let's talk about that one. Okay. I I was one of those fans who didn't take it seriously. I didn't either. I thought it was a, a, a treading water thing. Brock Lesnar? Yeah. Ricochet's Ricochet not going to be Brock, Brock Lesnar on any day. No. I, that was not the fan. That was that was the fans knowing what was coming. Right. Well, oh, we're going to have Ricochet get fed to Brock Lesnar, and we were hoping that he would actually have a competitive match. He did not. Bra- uh, Braun got, Strowman can't murdered. beat Brock Lesnar, and that had nothing to do with the fans. That was the booking of the match, yeah. and this was and all. He was on a he was on a downswing before that too. This was all following Braun Strowman, Finn Balor. Uh, I can't remember who else he faced. Uh, just uh, this, he faced this litany of people, and Ricochet was just kind of thrown in there. And while I agree that it was it was oh my god, Ricochet's getting a title shot against Brock Lesnar. That's amazing. I'm realistic. Vince didn't sit there and poll the fans, hey, are you guys excited about the title build for Ricochet versus Brock Lesnar? Right. And the fans went, oh, not really, man. We think Ricochet's going to get his ass kicked. Get his ass kicked. And Vince was like, well, I guess better have his ass kicked then. You guys aren't you guys aren't happy with Ricochet's build. That's not how it worked. Yeah. Everyone was sitting there going, oh, pff, Brock's going to kill Ricochet. This is not going to be good for Ricochet. And then Brock killed Ricochet, and it wasn't good for Ricochet. And Rick- Ricochet got killed again at the Royal Rumble, and then mid-card hell. It wasn't the fans turned on Ricochet there, turned on his and screwed him. There was the WWE doing what WWE does and just saying, okay, well, that guy's pushes over. Back to mid-card for you. I think he was way better off feuding with AJ Styles. I think, way I think sending off. him up to Brock Lesnar was maybe the, the, the linchpin that has led to the downfall of Ricochet and what we see today. No, that, it, no it was, that was the climax of it all. That was, sure. that was the moment where... <laughs> they pulled the steak out of the oven and threw it on the floor. Yep. <laughs> and then so. still tried to feed it to us at a restaurant, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, they they gave it to the dog. 
Oh my goodness, Josh Logan with another tier one sub to Sean nice. Sean Seaton. I think is how you say that. Thank you very much, Josh. And Sean, make sure you uh thank Josh for that gift sure, guys. Sub. Thank, thank you. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Uh let's see, where were we? Okay. Other examples more recent with fans telling retribution members their career is over <laughs> on social media while they are trying everything in their power to salvage it on Twitter, including their friends from yeah. NXT having fun with them. And last night, people dogpiled Alexa Bliss for trying to put over her friend Buddy Murphy in his current angle that while controversial, maybe his only shot at being something more in the company than he already is. I get not being entertained by a story and telling the company this isn't great or believable, but it seems to me that as fans of the talent, we collectively could do a better job at being empathetic towards the talent. I agree. Yes. And at least yes. giving them the chance to make bad ideas work, especially when we as fans want them to succeed. I feel yeah, and I think there's 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 definitely an unrealistic mentality out there that the that these wrestlers have more agency in the company than they do, and right. if fans yell at them, then they're going to go to Vince and be like, um, Vince, the fans were mean to me on Twitter. I don't think this is going to work. Right. So we should probably change. Orgasm this. King sixty nine on Twitter said <laughs> that I should get a push, Vince. So I think that I should, yes. right. That's that's no, that's not going to happen. I mean, I do I do think that. To your point, Kyle, uh, the very thing you said, do you feel that fans should find a way to direct displeasure on bad creative in a more positive way? I feel like they should have some way to do things besides Twitter to direct yeah. displeasure directly to the company in a feedback way that will be actually heard. I, but that's the, that's the key there, Nick. There is a way for people to interact with the company, and there's a million routes whether it's the ratings, whether it's online, whether it's social media, whether it's YouTube comments, shutter, uh, whatever it is, there's all kinds of ways to give feedback. The problem isn't so much that there aren't avenues. It's twofold. WWE doesn't want to listen. And sometimes for good reason, because sometimes the way people say things is horrific. Yeah. And that's just what we found out in the social experiment that is social media. We found out that a lot of people are pieces of shit. <laughs> They're horrible people. They pull back the veneer. They, <laughs> holy crap. If you're not accountable for what you say, some people will just say some absolutely reprehensible crap. And, and just go right along, not even caring about how other people feel about it. Yeah. And that's what's happening here, where... All of these emotional children are expressing their, uh, they're, they're misdirecting their frustration with the company at these poor performers as though the performers have anything to do about it. As, as you say, Kyle, very ele elegantly here, you said, like, you've got people, retribu the retribution members are just trying to make this work, and these people are dogpiling them. Yeah. Oh, you said they're dogpiling Alexa. Frankly, Alexa, I think. She was poking. Um, she, did not, she did not deserve it. She did not warrant it, but she did stick her neck out there yeah. and might have wanted to realize Twitter is what Twitter is. Mm, think twice before you say that, right. especially in the way she said it. Shoot your shot, kid. That doesn't sound like you're supporting. That sounds like you're trying to be in kayfabe on this one and not being like, you know, go Murphy. If that's And I, I genuinely believe like she was like, you know, hey, it's cool. You're getting an angle here trying to interact somehow with it and just didn't think about what she was saying and, how, and the reaction that was going to get. Um, so that's, yeah. Let me, let me put this in perspective. I felt bad for her about that. But uh, I've, I've been on Twitter for since 2009. 
And in the tech community, I'm, I'm, I have to filter myself with what I say. Uh, I've got 20, 21,000 tweets. I'm just looking at it over here. I tweet a lot, but I will tell you, I've typed and backspaced out more tweets than I've tweeted. Because you have to have that kind of filter that is constantly asking, how are people going to react to this? What are people going to say to it? Should I say this a different way? Or should I? why even bother saying it at all? And if you even have to ask that in the first place, you probably shouldn't be tweeting it. And I feel like a lot of people haven't been through the kind of situations where I, I think there's part of the social media thing people think that they just share everything and they let's put everything every thought i have i just want to i just want to tweet it <laughs> no just and, and especially if you're if you're a professional making millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars in an entertainment industry with millions upon millions of fans that are watching your every post and your every move you absolutely have to filter and and really pick what you say Be very aware of what you're saying yes which is one thing that Retribution's doing. They're being very smart about like their Twitter game is strong. Yeah. You know, they're thinking about everything they're saying and they're taking all comers and even like even down to manipulating the system. As as T-Bar, sorry, Dijack was saying like, "Yeah, I have comments turned off on my posts, not because I'm afraid of you guys ragging on me, but because I want you to retweet what I'm saying in order to rag on me." Yeah. That is playing the game. Well played. That is knowing what Twitter is. That's smart actions right there. Um, Alexa just going on and being like, shoot your shot, kid. That's not smart. That's not recognizing what Twitter is. Send him a text if you want to tell him that. <laughs> tweeting I'm so happy it, that you're doing well it, you're and that you're getting a storyline. You know yeah. what I mean? You're, you're, you're sending something out there to elicit a response. You know what you when, mean. Well, but here maybe she had not been on Twitter and seen the reaction people were having to the 32-year-old, 19-year-old age disparity thing. Maybe she didn't know. Um, she said, like, I wasn't aware of her age. You know what I mean? But it's still, like, you, as you just said, Nick, <laughs> you can't just put anything in there. You need to check everything that you say on Twitter. Especially if you're a celebrity, you can't just be putting, like, random brain droppings on there. Right. You're going to get hit at some point yeah. because people are crap. Um, I guess what he's saying, what, what his question, what Kyle's question was, uh, is there a way to direct it in a more positive way, the criticism of creative? Of course there is. Will people be more positive? No. Across all walks of life, all media, uh, every form of entertainment, there are fans who are absolute shitheads who are going to be screaming and yelling and complaining about the dumbest damn things. Uh, there, and that's, it's just life in general. There's always going to be that idiot, the coffee shop who screams that his coffee was too hot. Yeah. Right. And disrupts everyone else's the day guy because the, the old lady that sued McDonald's because, uh, they spilled no, hot coffee. No, don't, no, don't bring that up. That coffee was actually boiling. If you've ever actually seen her injuries, she lost skin off of that. Oh. that. That was actually McDonald's ran a whole campaign. They spent millions of dollars trying to discredit her and saying that she was someone who was actually, okay. Uh, chasing money. Okay. Don't bring up that one because I, I I will I will show you all the actual legal documents about that. She was actually horribly scarred and burned from that coffee. So that their coffee was way too hot. You're you're talking McDonald's uh, company line there, <laughs> but okay. I'm talking about the guy who's is screaming, "My pumpkin spice latte isn't pumpkiny enough," and stopping right. everyone else's day in the in in the Starbucks. Okay, that's that's the kind of person I'm talking about here. There's always going to be those idiots in life. 
right? I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, uh, I've been watching some parks and recreation. And, you know, they have the public meetings and they all get up and like, all right, what's everyone's problem? And everyone's like, why don't you guys serve milk in the parks? And we're like, they're parks. They don't serve milk. Like, but why don't you? Because we're parks. We don't serve milk. That's the kind of thing that we're looking at here. It's not helpful. <laughs> it's not, we're, we're not, <laughs> there's no positive way to talk to these people. And that's what Twitter is. It's an open forum where all of these shitheads get to dispute all of this stuff. And if you're going to be someone like Alexa Bliss is going to throw something out there, you have to be ready for that. Yeah. And if you're going to be, if you're going to uh, be someone like Ricochet, um, he does a pretty good job of being like, hey, y'all, chill out on Twitter. But if they're going to book him like crap, people are going to respond to that. That doesn't negate the fact they booked him like crap. So it's, it's a two-way street, Kyle. Yeah, it really is. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, that's that's the big thing I wanted to say. What I wish they would figure out how to do. Uh, first of all, I'll say this. One day we're all going to wake up and realize what a bad idea social media really was, and the downfall of it is going to be magnificent to watch with a box of popcorn. And we're all going to just realize what a toxic shit show it all is, and it's not helpful to society in any way, shape, or form. And frankly, it's it's a cancer. <laughs> Hot take. It's, it's an absolute cancer on society. Um, it bring, like you said, Ian, it brings out the worst in people, and it gives them a platform for the worst things. Um, I do wish, however, there was a way to... I, I am a consumer and a buyer of your goods and your services. I wish I had a way that I knew was valuable... Other than not buying merch, not going to shows, mm. not watching your shows, that was I don't I don't want to punish you, but I wish there was an alternative way for me to get my voice heard as a thirty year fan of your business. Well, and actually, consumer to that of point, your client, customer of your business. Do we need to catch up on bits? Because I think I saw one just, go by. Just that one, yeah, um, yeah. Just to finish the thought there, I do agree with your very first question there, Kyle. Do we? Do I feel that fans should find a direct a way to direct displeasure? I think it's not a problem with the fans needing to find a way to direct it. That's always going to be shitty. Go read any YouTube comments for the last fifteen years, <laughs> or forum uh, comments. But I do think that companies should have a, a better way of engaging with their communities, with their audiences. And WW, a lot of companies do that really well. WWE is not one of those. So we're left with the option of complaining on social media or on our wrestling shows or punishing them by not buying merch, not buying tickets to shows, not buying pay-per-views or the network, all of those, not watching to, to drive ratings and getting them paid by commercials. Un unless we stop doing all of those things... They're going to think, cool, 1.8 million people showed up to watch our show. We're, we must be doing great. <laughs> That's really <laughs> they, what they happens. They like Ricochet getting of, squashed by Brock. Wow, this is great. They love this. Oh, my God. We, we, come on, look how many network subscribers we've got now. They must love us. That's the way it's interpreted in internal executive meetings. So I, I wish there was a way that was more fruitful. Uh, Will James threw 100 bits in. He says, I'll tell you what, Whoa. EC3's fall could definitely fall on the fans' shoulders. They know how Vince responds to booing the face. Which, right there... That's, that's an interesting you point. Saying, you were saying earlier, like, wish the fans had a way to voice their displeasure. Well, that was the thing with audiences, is you have an audience who can boo things they don't like. The problem is, is that sometimes Vince takes our, like, boo, we hate what you're doing to EC3, 
And he's like, well, they don't like AC3, toss him. And we're like, no, we were, we were booing the angle, not the man. Right? Right. So sometimes it can be misinterpreted. Yeah. What I'm saying. And Josh threw in 100 bits. He says, Ian, la, 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 Lauren, and I want a Halloween-themed drink cup. Help us out. Ooh. I think uh, maybe that could be a really good, what do we, Hell in a Cell? No. Sur- maybe Survivor Series? Yeah. I'm trying to think of what we could do around there. Or, I mean, we, could, wanna, we could put up a, wanna- a travel mug. We could do horror faces of us. On limited run on the store, or Halloween drink. They want to like tell them a cocktail that they want to have, oh, or a, oh, a drink. Oh, I thought you meant yeah, a is cup. that what, is that what we're asking here? I'm sorry. I thought you were asking for like a merch <laughs> item or something. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think they want. What's your what's your go to Halloween theme mixed drink? Uh, ounce and a half of bourbon. Get some caramel syrup. Half an ounce of that. Uh, quarter ounce of lemon juice, um, about an ounce of apple cider, two shakes of some cinnamon, shake it up, pour it over some ice, top it up with a little bit of ginger beer, and uh, put a cinnamon stick in there. And what's that called? I don't know. Oh. Just I'm off the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll call it the, dan- the, the dangerous... Sure. Uh, call it the, I don't know. Call it call it the uh uh bust wide open Halloween thing theme drink. I don't know. Go. I'm not gonna make it drink. Call hands. it the BW the BWO. Drinks. There you go. Um well, oh, another one I might actually make here in a little bit, because I've got some um some pumpkin spice syrup. If you get some pumpkin spice syrup, which they sell at like a lot of supermarkets around this time of year. Um and you can get your hand on I don't. I don't know. This is one that they we, they carry these all the bevmos around me. But there's a there's a Van Gogh double espresso vodka, which is just amazing if you put it in the freezer uh, and bring it out. It just tastes like having a cold espresso shot, and it's got real coffee in it. It's fantastic. Van Gogh double espresso, about an ounce and a half of that, uh, about three quarters of an ounce of that pumpkin spice syrup, uh, about an ounce of half and half, and about a half ounce of. If you can find it, Goldschlager or like a good cinnamon schnapps, a good tasting cinnamon schnapps. I prefer Goldschlager. Um, and then, yeah, you got to strain, like really strain the hell out of it. Maybe like once or twice strain it so you don't get any ice, ice chips in it. Um, but you can put that in a martini glass or you just pour it straight over ice and it's delicious. Nice. Like a little, like, a, like it's a pumpkin spice coffee, basically. That's what it tastes like. Yeah, that sounds good. But it's super alcoholic. I'd drink the hell out of that. Yeah, it's good. Thank you very much, uh, Josh, for the bits, and uh, Will for the bits. Thanks, Thank guys. you, guys. Uh, next up, James says, Greetings, Mr. Howell and Sir Ian. I hope this message finds you in the best of health and good cheer. Yo, thank you. Quote, warning, the following question is non-wrestling related. No problem. No problem. I am a nerd. I say this with absolute yes. certainty and pride. Excellent. Excellent. Me too. Ever since high school in the 90s, Lord, I'm old. So wait, so you were in high school in the 90s. So you remember when nerds were not cool. All right. See, so now, now you can say you're a nerd and everyone's like, yeah, me too. It's cool, right? Yeah. It's, we're all nerds. Yeah, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. And, right. And, uh, and all, that, all that shit was so uncool in the 90s. Right. You, yeah, I, I hid my, like, I bought comic books and, uh, you know, watched Star Wars and I hid all that stuff. Star Wars was fine. Star Wars you can get away with. It was mainstream. Yeah. But, like, comic books, oh, Lord. You collected comic books, ugh. You were getting a wedgie and a swirly and whatever else they could do to you. I was in band. You were one of those, huh? 
It's okay. I, I, I was countered it by playing baseball <laughs> and drums, for that matter. Uh, I, I I learned how I, to play the drums so I could be. Cool. I didn't. I didn't have a counter. I, I played ultimate frisbee. There was no. Oh, there, there, no. Was no there was no saving oh, me. God, there was no, no saving. Oh, you're done. Yeah, couldn't save. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Anyway, Ever since sorry. high school in the 90s, I have loved comics, sci-fi, fantasy, metal, and horror. But one of my Preach favorite it. things to do both then and now is sit around with friends and play tabletop RPGs. Ooh. Everything from D&D to riffs, I love them all. Have you guys ever played any tabletop RPGs? And what are some of your favorites? Also, have you ever given any thought to streaming a once-a-month D&D game with some of the patrons? Maybe as a tier reward. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh did you ever play tabletop RPGs, Nick? Not RPGs. Tabletop anything? Oh, a lot of board games. Uh, oh. <laughs> Risk and Stratego. I Candyland. I mean, like, you know, Risk and Stratego. Not like, I, I didn't play Candyland. And, and, like, everybody loves Monopoly, but I'm, I'm talking about, like, Risk and Stratego. You be and, a winner in the game of life. Yeah. No, I, I did. You, so you, you didn't play D&D. You didn't play Rifts. None no, of that. I was too busy with my Nintendo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I played I played D and D. I've still got the the Dungeon Master's Guide over there. I've got probably got I mean I got some old ass editions. They're probably worth something. But I've got the I've got a whole bunch of old D and D books. I have the very 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 first Rifts book, which I bought when it came out because I was a big Palladium Games guy because I was I was into it from Robotech and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tabletop guide right over there as well from Palladium Games. Um, and Rifts, I always thought. Like the the fine the, the game's fine. Like it's it's basically a game that you can play if you want to play anything because you can just make it about anything that you freaking want. There's vampires and there's interdimensional demons and robots and whatever. This, you can do whatever you want with it. But I always felt like rifts. Uh, he brought up rifts, so I got to go off on this. I always felt like rifts should be a TV series. They just never had the technology to pull it off. Well, they have the technology now. And again, because you could make a game about anything, you could have a TV show that could be about anything and have any kind of fantastical creature from any like sci-fi, fantasy, horror, whatever. You could do all different kinds of episodes, all different kinds of themes, have a ton of fun with it, have your imagination go wild, and it would be absolutely amazing because the world that they created is intense. It's so cool. Um, and I, I actually looked up who has the rights to it. James Cameron has bought the rights to Rifts. He's also the guy who got Battle Angel Alita produced after 20 years, 30 years of having those rights. So he sits on rights. Huh. He takes rights and he sits on them um, until he's ready to make well, He's going to be busy with the Avatar sequels for the next 50 years, so he isn't going to... Uh, you know. uh, Avatar 3 is 95% done uh, filming, and 2 is in the bag. So might be back he might be back out in uh looking at things somewhat soon and if he wants to do a riffs tv show i am here for it but to answer your question james yes played tabletop games as i said big palladium games fan uh did some dnd back in the day however not as much into dnd anymore i, I unlike nick i found the computer games and now if i want to play dnd i just go play like skyrim or something yeah. that being said if if there are people that want to start up a, D, a BWO D and D league, and there's like a DM out there who wants to run that, hell yes, that would be rad. Um, I may have a large group of people that are also huge nerds. They just happen to be in tech, not wrestling fans. 
Uh, we're going to be consolidating. I'll give you guys a sneak. I think I've said this before. We're going to be consolidating discords uh, throughout the month of October, uh, bringing a bunch of disparate communities all together as one. And right now, as of today, there's about 800 people in this larger orbital jigsaw discord. You guys might have seen me tweeting about it. Oh. And a lot of all, almost all of them are big time, like me, big time tech nerds. And a lot of them are also gamers. So I, I actually would be curious if there's anyone who doesn't consider themselves a nerd who listens to this show. Yeah. If so, step forward. Yes. Reveal it's, yourself. <laughs> reveal yourself, non-nerd. Um, what I will also I'm, say, James, is on uh, the podcast network, Orbital Jigsaw Network, we have a show called Vox Arcana that is 100% about D&D. You might listen to them and enjoy them. Give it a shot. Yeah, look at that. It's, and they've been going for a couple of years now. It's a bunch of friends. Uh, three friends that all play D&D. They're all, they've all been DMs before. They all understand all the stuff. But yeah, check that one out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it was a little sketchy to get started, but they, are, they have hit a groove. They're 50-some episodes in at this point. Nice. So, but well, yeah, there we check go. that one out. But yeah, I think you'll, you'll find a lot of kindred spirits in this group. <laughs> <laughs> Thank no you very doubt. much. And finally, closing us out today, Ms. Jess O'Connor. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hello. I just listened to your recap of Clash of Champions today. Awesome show and awesome Discord with the phenomenal ones. I don't it have a good. question today. Just wanted to say how oh. great all of you guys make watching wrestling. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you, Jess. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Great questions today, guys. Uh, thank you so much, Great guys. variety of everything. Uh, love all of those. Oh, and I think we are actually done. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for giving us your questions. Thanks for everyone who's hanging out in the Twitch right here. Uh, remember, if you're not hanging out on Twitch with us, we are going on every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern, right from our regular Raw recap show into our mailbag episode. And then on Saturdays at, oh, excuse me, Friday Fridays nights we're now. doing now. Right, half an hour after SmackDown ends, we do the show live on Twitch. And we also uh, obviously go to patreon.com forward slash BWO. And for $5 a month, you too can listen to our audio-only episodes, plus get all kinds of sweet swag. You can sign up for the questions here on the Mailbag episode. You can uh, join us for our big four patrons' pick'ems challenges. You can see show notes. You can do all kinds of stuff. $5, $10. Just come on over, help us, help support the show, help keep my lights on, help keep Dog Ziggler in food. Uh, and, and thank you guys very much, as always, for listening and for being a part of the phenomenal ones. You guys are awesome. Indeed. You guys know where all the links are. I have a ton of stuff to do, guys, so I'm going to bounce really quick. No raid tonight, but we'll do a big one on Friday night, I promise, after SmackDown, because they're all going to be on on Friday night. I took a peek. Nobody's really on right now, so... Uh, we're just going to bounce out of here. Get into the Discord, as always. BWOPodcast.com has all these links, or they're in the panels down below right here on Twitch. BWOPodcast uh, on Twitter and Instagram. YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Come find us on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. And, of course, patrons, thank you guys for your questions every single week. If you want to get yours in, Patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at DataCenterDude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.